listening to the podcast of Village Church in Burbank, California. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. I have a short Christmas message this evening. I'm not even going to call it a sermon. It's more like a meditation, a reflection. And I want us to read in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, the first 14 verses, and then we'll just pause and pray and then we'll begin. In those days, a decree went out from the Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. Verse 5. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. Let's pause and pray. Heavenly Father, we just welcome you into our awareness right now. We're grateful for your presence in this place. I'm grateful for my brothers and sisters who have gathered with me and we're here to worship and exalt you. We've done so in prayer. We've done so in song. And Lord, now we're going to do so in listening to what your spirit might say to us through the frailty of a human communicator. I just pray that your voice would be heard, that you would speak to the very core of our beings and that your heavenly agenda would be established in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. The second verse of my favorite Christmas carol, Joy to the World, it goes like this. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. That's what I want to do this evening, and that's the title of my message tonight. I want to repeat the sounding joy. Roughly 400 years before Christ was born, history's greatest philosopher, a Greek named Plato, was trying to describe the problem that the human race finds itself in. And he put it like this, Plato said, we're like prisoners chained in a deep cave 
lit only by dim torches, so that we exist in chains of darkness, watching shadows on the wall that we confuse for reality. What we need, Plato tells us, is someone to free us and lead us out of the dark and into the day, out of the cave and into the light. And Plato was right. What we needed was somebody to come down into our cave, set us free from our chains, and show us the way out of the cave and lead us into the light. This was Plato's allegory of the cave that he gave us to try to describe the plight of the human race nearly 400 years before Caesar Augustus would issue a decree that would set into motion a chain of events that you and I remember every single December. Caesar Augustus, who bore titles like Son of God, Prince of Peace, Lord of All, that guy, all of a sudden, in his mind, he just had a thought that it's time to take a thorough census of the empire. So the decree came down from Rome that every person in the Roman Empire would have to stop their lives for an indefinite period of time and move to the town of their ancient lineage and be registered for this census. This is why a carpenter in Galilee named Joseph and his betrothed wife Mary have to make the long journey south from Nazareth to a town called Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a little hilltop village. It would have been totally unimportant and inconsequential in that day, except for the fact that it also happened to be the birthplace of Israel's greatest king, King David. And this is actually why Joseph has to move he and his wife down to Bethlehem, because Joseph is in David's lineage. And so his betrothed pregnant wife, Mary and Joseph, have to travel south about a hundred miles as the crow flies from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, interestingly enough, a few hundred years before this, the Hebrew prophet Micah announced, he said, someday a king even greater than David is going to be born in Bethlehem. Here's how Micah says it. He says, O you Bethlehem of Epathra, you are not the least among the little villages of Judea, for out of you shall come a ruler who will not only shepherd the people of Israel, he will become king over the nations. And his reign of peace shall extend from sea to shining sea. And then he says this. He says, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Now, later on, the prophet Isaiah would take that line and put it into one of his poems and make it even more famous. But it originally came from Micah, who tells us that someday a great king is going to be born in Bethlehem. Here's how they would have heard it. They would have heard it the same way you and, I would, you and I would hear it if somebody were to say, you know what, someday a baby is going to be born in a log cabin in Kentucky and become great. We would say, you mean like Abraham Lincoln? 
That's how they would have heard this. Someday a great king is going to be born in Bethlehem. Of course, it would have never happened. Jesus would never have been born in Bethlehem. He would have been born in Nazareth if it weren't for Caesar Augustus, the most powerful man on the planet, who's totally oblivious to these people, getting this sudden impulse in his mind that, you know what, it's time to take a census, and everybody's got to be registered in the town of their ancient lineage. And so they all went. Now Mary was, I like the way that the King James puts it, she was great with child. She was nine months pregnant. And after making this, making this hundred mile journey south from Nazareth to Bethlehem, when they finally arrive in Bethlehem, there's no room for them. I mean, you understand you've got people moving all across the globe, finding temporary lodging. And so by the time they make it all the way from Nazareth, all of the, all of the lodging's taken up. But Joseph, being the resourceful man that he was, he was able to find, I can't really call it lodging, he was able to find shelter where they kept the livestock. And they would keep the livestock not in a wooden barn like you and I sometimes imagine it today. They would have kept the livestock in what would have been very plenteous in Judea at that time. They would have kept the livestock in caves. So Joseph and his betrothed wife Mary find shelter in a cave with the livestock and all of the sights and smells and sounds that accompany livestock. But yes, the baby Jesus is born in a cave for a humanity that Plato says we're like prisoners in a dark cave sitting in chains watching shadows on the wall. And this baby is the one who's born into our cave, who's going to set us free from our chains and show us the way out of the cave and lead us into the light. Amen. Now, east of town, in the rugged hills of Bethlehem, were some shepherds keeping watch over their flock at night. This was menial work. They were out in their fields. You know, to be a shepherd in first century Middle Eastern culture, that was really, you were on the very bottom rung of the socioeconomic ladder. People looked down on shepherds. But, but also remember that originally King David was one of those shepherds in Bethlehem. So you never know what great thing might happen among shepherds in Bethlehem. And they're out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks. And all of a sudden, I mean, how could it happen otherwise? Suddenly, an angel appears to them. And the angel says to these shepherds what angels always seem to say to human beings in Scripture. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Why do they say this? I believe this is because this is what heaven has to say to earth. Don't be afraid. This is what heaven has to say to humanity. Don't be afraid. This is what heaven has to say to you tonight. If you're in the, on the stream or in your, if you're in this room, I really believe this is what heaven has to say to you tonight. I'm going to be your Christmas angel this evening. I've got a Christmas prophecy for you. Are you ready? Thus saith the Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The angel goes on and he says, I've got good news. 
Good news about great joy. He says, for unto you is born this day. Now, the moment the angel says that phrase, it should call into mind the ancient prophecy from hundreds of years earlier from Isaiah. When Isaiah famously writes, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So the angel says, don't be afraid. I bring good news of a great joy, for unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a savior who is Messiah, the saving king, the savior, king, Christ, the Lord. And the angel says, I'll give you a sign. You're going to find a baby. Well, that wouldn't have been too uncommon, I'm sure, to find a baby in Bethlehem at this time. But the angel goes on. You're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Well, again. Nothing unusual about a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's how you care for a baby. But he goes on. You're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. That's the sign right there. We never use the word manger anymore except as it relates to nativity scenes. But a manger, you should know, was nothing more than a stone feeding trough for animals. That's what a manger was. So that when the angel tells these shepherds, you're going to find a baby who is born king, savior, Messiah, Christ the Lord. And you're going to find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in an animal's feeding trough. The shepherds know that when we go into Bethlehem looking for this baby, we're not going to find this baby among the houses and the inns of Bethlehem. Instead, we're going to find this baby in the caves where the livestock are kept. And then suddenly there's a whole choir of angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill among men. The good news of great joy is that the world's true king has been born in our cave where we sit like prisoners chained in the dark watching shadows on the wall. You know, church, sometimes what we assume and think is reality is nothing more than shadows on the wall. And sometimes what we think is life is really nothing more than imprisonment in a dark cave. And we don't know any better because we've never experienced anything else. And it wasn't enough for God to stand outside and above our cave and to shout into the cave, free yourselves from your chains and come out of the cave. No, we needed somebody to come down into the cave with us, set us free from our chains, show us the way out of the cave and lead us into the light. And that's who this baby is born in Bethlehem. And that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is that time of year where, for Christians especially, it's time to repeat the sounding joy and to tell the story again that the Savior King born in the cave is the one who leads us out of the cave of fear. Because you know what? That's mostly what the cave is. It's a cave of fear. I don't know about you. I, I know fear has always been around but it just seems in the last several years that it's been so palpable and tangible that fear is really the dominating force in our society and the world today. 
Fear is what dictates the headlines. Fear is what drives ratings. Fear is what steers internet traffic. Fear is what fuels the economy or, or unfuels the economy. Fear is what drives society. We're all like prisoners chained in a dark cave of fear. And Jesus, the Christ, is the one born into the cave who sets us free from these chains and leads us out of the cave of fear. And he shows us that we don't have to hate, we don't have to fight, we don't have to fear. Instead, we can receive from Christ on a daily basis love and peace and goodwill that overflows through our lives to our fellow human beings. When we look at our fellow human beings through the lens of fear and competition, that's the way back into the cave. Instead, Christ is going to teach us to view others through the lens of peace and love and goodwill. And if, come on, if Christmas is not about that, I don't know what it's about. Looking at life through the lens of love and goodwill just ends the system of fear. It just evaporates. Poof! It's like, that's just shadows on the wall. That's just illusions. I walked out of that cave a long time ago when I decided to follow Jesus. So let's repeat the sounding joy. Tomorrow is the first day of Christmas. Notice I didn't say it's Christmas Day. Tomorrow's the first day of Christmas. But the season of Christmas is 12 days long. There's 12 days of Christmas. Right, Bobby Kilgore? Amen. Amen. So here's what I'm calling you to do for the next 12 days. I'm calling you to rejoice. For the next 12 days, just rejoice in God's salvation. And if you can do it for the next 12 days, you can do it for the rest of your life. Rejoice and fear not. Rejoice and fret not. Rejoice and fight not. Remember those three things, those three words. Fear, fret, and fight. Come on, how many of you could say, you know what, for the next 12 days, I'm going to commit to just simply rejoicing in Christ, and I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to get on Facebook and get into little fights. Come on, I'm preaching the gospel now. <laughs> Amen. You know what? You know what will happen if you just simply say, I'm just going to receive on a daily basis, I'm just going to receive the love of Christ in my heart. And I'm going to pour that love out towards my fellow human beings. I'm just going to be a conveyor of peace and love and goodwill among humankind. I'll tell you what's going to happen. There will be people who will willingly follow you out of the cave. You don't have to yell at them. You don't have to berate them. You don't have to say, come on, you secular knucklehead. Why are you sitting there in the cave? You don't have to do any of that. If you will just become the kind of person by God's spirit who just daily gets full of God's love and peace and goodwill and just lets it flow out of your life, people will willingly follow you out of the cave. So, for example, no more Christmas wars. That doesn't do any good. Just simply say, you know what, I want, I want to just be a conveyor of peace and goodwill. And if the cashier at the store tells me happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, 
I'm not going to get all bent out of shape. I'm just going to be a conveyor of peace and goodwill. And I'm not going to look at my fellow human beings through the lens of us versus them. Come on, are they us or are they them? Did, did, did she say happy holidays or Merry Christmas? Because that's how I can tell who's on our side or not. You understand, that's like the worst thing we can do with Christmas. It really is. Christmas is not about us finding something new to fight about. That might be the best line of the message right there. Christmas is not about you finding something new to fight about. Christmas is about glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill among men. Because the king was born in our cave and he's the one leading us out of this mess where we sit chained watching illusions on the wall. And you know what? At the very end of his life, they tried to put him back in the cave, didn't they? In fact, they did put him back in the cave. But he only stayed for three days. Amen. But that's for Easter Sunday. We'll get to that in due time. But right now, it's time to tell the story of Christmas. And the story of Christmas is the story of the king born in a cave who leads us out into a whole new way of life. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org.